Podcast Podcast. This is episode number 35. And today is a special episode because it's an open house address for next level speakers and Toastmasters. We have the top three speakers in the state of South Carolina show up to this next level speaker open house to present their championship speeches, international speech contest championship speeches. And we've got some great stories in here. One of my great friends, Michael Unks, whom we competed against each other last year, we told each other that whoever won first place in 2016, um, the other would win first place in 2017. So we've got some great stories here. This is just a short keynote, 15 minutes with the Q&A section at the end. But it's a great conversation and um, a great different kind of vibe and feel to the podcast, different than an interview. You actually get to hear some snippets of uh, what goes on as a speaker and as some other things that we have going on. This is the art of facilitation. This is the question that changed my life. And this is some Q&A about the international speech competition from 2016. Hope you enjoyed the episode. This is number 35. This is The Dash. You guys are kind of impressive as speakers. Well, kind of very impressive. I'm glad I'm already retired. And, um, by retired, I mean I lost before the district championship. I didn't have to, to go up in against some of you folks. And um, really, I want to relax a little bit. It's cool being on the other side of the fence because I'm not competing anymore, so I don't feel some of the same pressure and nerves that I've had in times past. But I remember last year after the district championship, and, and that's even the place that I want to start because there's so much more to Toastmasters than the meetings. And there's so much more to Toastmasters than even the leadership tracks. Just the experience alone that you get from Toastmasters is absolutely mind-blowing. And I talk about the art of facilitation because I think that's what happens when you speak. As Pooja, you spoke. As you spoke, Charles. Cindy, as you spoke. It wasn't just words coming out. It's not just things. I felt you. I felt you with your pull-up. I felt you walking around. I felt your frustration. You're not just up here speaking, you're delivering a message. And that message can be applied immediately. And it, it's kind of funny, but as soon as Charles got off the stage, Cindy said, baby steps. That's the impact of your words. That's the impact of your life. And it's so amazing, the, the more focused in you get on the things that make sense in your life and the direction that you're supposed to go in your life, mine just so happens to be words. And I'm guessing you guys like words too a little bit. Um, and if you don't, you probably want to like those words. So when I talk about art, that's a method from that loss, from that loss last year. Art has been a way that I start to see life. There's a podcast that's called The Dash that's out right now. Um, challenging, meaningful, significant conversation, which is what we do here in Toastmasters. And I talk about The Dash because The Dash is the decisions you make every day. That was my speech last year. That was kind of what got me into the world championship. And after realizing that I can make my decisions all day and every day, but there's, there's an art to speak. There's an art to delivering your message. There's an art to really not just writing words, but creating an art of facilitation to your message. And so from the loss, I learned a lot more about art. And what art is, is awareness. That's the first thing. As a speaker, you are hired, you are on stage to solve the audience's pain. The problem is the audience doesn't know that they have a pain that needs to be solved. It's no different than your cell phone or your car 
or their glasses. Everything that you have on you, these glasses solve the pain. Without them, I can't see. <laughs> my life is much more valuable because somebody decided to put this glass over my eyes. My life should be made, made better because of the speech that you give and deliver. But first, you have to make me aware of what that pain is. You worked 15 months or years to get to where you wanted to be, or you had to start by not even moving an inch before you got there. Oh, this is a struggle you're talking about. This is a relationship that we're talking about. You're tapping into someone's world and transporting them into your own, as Craig Valentine would say. It's the awareness, and then it's also the passion. You can see the conviction in everybody's face, and we're going to see it on Michael Unk's face and everybody else that's in it. You see it. You see the passion that people are talking about when they're up here. And the passion means what you're willing to suffer for. That's literally the Greek transition, translation. If I'm willing to go to the district championship or just compete in the first round of level, I have to be willing to suffer for it because these aren't just talented speakers up here. The same way that Charles worked to do that pull-up, I'm sure you worked to write that speech. I mean, there's countless hours that you were slave to create a piece of art that's only going to last five to seven minutes. But it's so worth it because the impact that you can have in that time is amazing. So be aware, not just about your message, but aware of what you want in life. Be aware of what you want in life. And that's what awareness really is at the end of the day. It's knowing what it is you want. It's passion. It's what you're willing to suffer for. And it's what you want. That's art. Or that's A, excuse me. The R is where we reflect. You reflect back and look past over the time. I remember this is where I started, but I saw the progress. I see the baby steps over the way. And when I look back in time, and I'm speaking personal right now, I mean me specifically. When I look back over my life and the time when I failed a drug test, the time when I found out that my dad didn't tell me that, he was, that I was his son until I was 15 years old, the time that I thought I was going to get kicked off the football team or got my heart broken, all those things that tore my heart up are the absolute things that brought me to where I am right now. It's my pain. When I look back, when I reflect over my life, when I look back on my surgeries, when I look back on the things that hurt me the most, those are exactly what brought me closer to my purpose. And what purpose means is your reason for doing. And if you heard in the, in the, the introduction, my reason for living or my purpose is to make easy your reason for doing. I want to make your purpose easier. And how do I do that? By living every day and what I want and why I want to do it. Every day I wake up, I know why I do what I do. There's a purpose that's one all about me. It's something that I can control every day. It's something that I can wake up and make a conscious, intentional decision to progress with baby steps every day. I can grow and I can work. It's also something that's not about me. Because there's days when I'm not motivated. Or days when I don't want to get out of bed. Or there's days when I don't feel like working or that I'm sick or whatever. And it's on those days that you need to reflect back and think about the reasons that are not about you. Who is being impacted because of your speech? If you don't get up and get out of bed, who's going to lose something today? I remember a couple months ago, and this has been tough, so hopefully I don't get choked up right now. I was invited to speak in front of some families who had, there was three families that like three weekends in a row or a month in a row, they had lost a loved one. And not just a loved one, they lost a child. They lost a child. I'm a child. I have parents. You have parents too. You're, so I had never been in a situation where I had to provide words of encouragement, but not one, not two, three people that, that lost. One was in a shooting. 
One was lost in a car accident and one was an infant. And being in that room, I could really just feel the pain. I was getting goosebumps then the same way I'm getting goosebumps now because I could just feel a difference in the room and I, my stomach started to turn. And it started to twist and it started to knot and I started to tear up and cry. And it was not because I understood the pain that they felt, because I didn't. It's because I did not know what they had been through. But it hurt so much too because I realized that by continuing to progress little by little, by continuing to grow little by little, my work will reach one of those kids that one day won't have to be in the car that's in the drive-by. Or that can change one of these kids' direction just a little bit so you can make one more decision that can make you last one more day. That's why my stomach started to hurt because upon reflection, I see that there's people that have sown into my life that believe in me, that want me to do great, and that they work for me. So my reason upon reflection has to be all about me and not about me. My purpose is the reason for doing it. So there's our A, awareness. The R is reflection. And the last piece is the transition. We transition when you know what you want, when you know why you want it. That's real cute. I've always been a very passionate and purposeful person, and that's great. I think that's exactly where you have to start, and that's you can't go, any, go anywhere without having passion or purpose. But the last piece that we need is a process. So now that I'm aware of what I want, I'm aware of why I want it, now I have to become that person. What's the smallest step that I can take to grow up to the next level? And I love, I absolutely love what you said, Charles, because you just helped me out so much. And that's what speeches do as well. But taking those baby steps. Here, from where I am to where I want to be, and I guess now is a good time to get into April 30th of 2016. That was last year's International District Speech Competition. And the night before was kind of nerve-wracking for me because I was also competing in the Table Topics final. And I lost. And I wasn't very happy about that. <laughs> because at that time, I didn't realize the part of it's not about me. That I just thought it was all about me. And you can imagine how big my head was at that time, too, because I kind of went unimpeded up until that point. We are, unfortunately, in the district where we're going to start doing better, but people don't compete in round one. People don't compete in round two. I went to round three this year, and in round two, I read my, phone, my notes off of my phone because I was the only one competing. So it's not too difficult to get to the division or district, and that's unfortunate. But during that process last year, I had a lot of time to kill. I came back early on Saturday. Our competition wasn't till 8. And I read this book, Jonathan Livingston Siegel. I was pacing around. I was taking my time, making sure I was in the zone. I even went out in Columbia and was reading or, or practicing my speech outside of, in the park. And there was a man that actually came up and cussed me out a little bit. So, <laughs> so I went back to the hotel and got prepared. And as I was sitting there, another gentleman came up and started sitting down and talking to me. Now, I was kind of in my zone and getting ready to compete, getting ready to compete against the best speakers in the state. And wasn't quite so sure how Toastmasters would be in a competition. Now, I had been through the previous rounds, but I come from the competitive football background. So we don't really, we don't have buddies that are on opponent's team. But this gentleman sat down, and I don't know initially, I don't remember if I knew who he was or if I didn't. But we sat down and we just started talking. We, before you know, we talked for about an hour. 
an hour and 15 minutes, and then we were about to be late for the speech contest, and we were both competing. And there was a star-studded lineup, I think, four, five, how many people have competed before any level? At the district? I think I've seen that, that's a lot. So we had all these people in there, and um, I think I, I don't remember, the person I'm talking about is Michael. Um, Michael and I are the people. <laughs> <laughs> Michael and I, really, we sat there for literally before a competition. We talked about Zig Ziglar. We talked about life. We talked about leaving our jobs. We talked about direction. We talked about how we got started. We really just opened. Like, I never met Michael Unks before. I'd never known anything about him before that day. And before, by the time we went up to compete, we were two hours late because we had so many DTMs, which is a good thing. Um, we were late, but before we went up, we were both rooting for each other. We were rooting for each other, and regardless of, we both was like, man, I'm going to win. He said, I'm going to win. It's okay, well, whoever doesn't win, they're going to win next year. Like, yeah. And look, now who's going to come up and speak after me is someone that not only did I have that one conversation with, but somebody that I have kept in contact with and who helped me get all the way through the world championship last year. And that's what the facilitation of your speech becomes. That's what being a part of Toastmasters becomes, and that's what this experience becomes. Because it's from that that, that I have grown so much into where I am today. Um, as great as it was to receive that trophy, as great as it was to go to the international speech competition in Washington, D.C., where 30,000 people start this speech contest, there's 143 countries in the world that are there, and there's the top 100. Top 100, that's it. There's 100 people. I've competed against people from Turkey, Mexico, Japan, Los Angeles, Texas, Ohio. You name it. You see people from all over the world. And this absolutely amazing because you're all in the same plane. And the day after I won the competition, the day after me and Michael went and out, and who came in third? It was Aaron. Yes. Aaron Jones came in third last year as well. Geneva Anderson, anybody know her? Oh, yeah. She's such a lovely woman. She sent me an email the following day. I'm being a little bit facetious, and it's okay to laugh, because I'm going to bring it all the way around. She sent me an email the following day that said, Trey, congratulations on your victory. However, I don't think you should have won. I don't think you won the top three. And get ready, because you're about to go into shark and festive waters, my friend. But I'd like to coach you. <laughs> what? And I think, and I, I said, Sharon, I said, Sharon, look at this woman just sitting here. <laughs> what is, who does she think she's talking to? I'm the district general. <laughs> she said, Trey, gonna listen to her. All right, all right. And it was so impactful. Now, we never stopped butting heads. There was a couple times that we almost had to stop working together. Because when you put a young Midwestern metropolitan black guy with a older white woman from the South, you just don't budge That's just how it works. You have different faces, different styles, different things going on. But Geneva is one of the people that helped change my life because she asked an impactful question that you can continue to ask today and for the rest of your life. And she said, what is the story you're afraid to tell? <laughs> That's one that I'm still learning and I'm still trying. And, and the hard part, and the cool thing about art and why I call it the art program is because I use this as 
a process to write my speeches, as a process to set my goals, as a process to make my decisions, because if you think about awareness, reflection, and transitioning, those are things that you can always use. So when Geneva asked me that question, ah, I thought I had it written down. And that's what I practiced from April through August. And when we finally got to the World Championship stage, oh, that speech was perfect. Geneva <laughs> got me right. My, my international speech was about 950 words, which was way too freaking long. And my final speech was about 600 words, or 650. And I knew it front, back, left, right, all of them. We practiced in front of myself for an hour and a half increments with the camera just like that one, just staring at me. I'd just be standing in my room with sweatpants and a jacket on, giving my speech, running it back and forth. And I knew it so well. I went to every club in Charleston, Columbia. I probably gave that speech 50 to 100 times before I went to the international contest. And I was so ready. I was so prepared. I was so on my heels to go. And I kind of knew I was going to lose, to be quite honest with you. Because I realized that I was focused too much on myself and what I was going to receive in the process. And by the time I got to the day, August 16th or 18th, whatever it was, it was too late. Because I had been crafting the speech and the story that I was afraid to tell in the way that was going to make me in the best light. So I crafted that speech, that 600-word speech. It was perfect. It was excellent. And I go back and look at that speech, and there was a student that asked me one time, I was speaking at Coca College, he said, Trey, what is the best speech you've ever given? And what is the worst speech you've ever given? I say that that one is both for me. When it's the best speech, because I've never spoke so eloquently, so perfectly. I've never used the stage quite like I did there. Never reflected so much. It was an excellent speech. But it was the worst one because it was so crafted and it was so developed and it was so rehearsed that it did not have the same message and meaning. I was not facilitating my art. I was telling people my story. And that's where I got caught up. That's where I got stuck. So since that time, I got my butt kicked. Oh, we. I got my butt kicked. Um, and I'll probably be a little dramatic, but we were in semifinal 10, and they told us that semifinal 10, upon the completion, was one of the best semifinals in Toastmasters' recent history. The, our winner got third place. We had another man who, five of them were just in the most recent issue of Toastmasters magazine to talk about the experience in the semifinal. And those are people also, I went first. So I knew I lost real quick. As soon as I stepped off the stage, I understood that I don't know who else is doing what, but I'm probably not going to get this. The audience didn't really laugh at my jokes. I didn't really feel good about the message, just to be frank. Um, so I just started enjoying it. At first, I put my head down and, and was sulking and, and mad. And then I heard Dan Martin go from Mexico. And then I heard Reiko Matsui go from Japan. Then I heard a man go from Turkey and was like, Trey, these are the best speakers in the world, man. You can't be down on yourself or be hurt on yourself because you lost this speech. You won so much. Some of those members that we've talked to, I've had three of them come on my podcast. I've had some of them become partners in business. I still have friends that are a part of that. And, and that leap or that loss took me into another level of my life. Since that time, I've realized that, hey, this really is not about me. And me crafting this message and speech is not about what I'm going to do and where I'm going to go and what I'm going to be, but who is going to be impacted in the way that I can add value through the words that we're speaking here. So I'm over my time, 
and it's time to go. And I know this isn't how Toastmasters goes, but I do want to make sure that we're facilitating the appropriate message. And as you think about your speeches and going forward now and wherever, using art, awareness, reflection, and transition, not just for your speeches, but for your life, thinking about the what, why, and how. Those are the kind of the steps, the process, in that order that has taken me from being employed to being self-employed, which was my desire. That's what I wanted. I found out why I wanted it and how I had to go about getting it. So find out what it is you want. Get clear on it. Get really decisive on what it is that you want, what you're passionate about, and what you're willing to suffer for to get it. Reflect on why you want that, why it's valuable, and in transition, start with the first, absolute first step on how to get it. My first goal after that was find out how to get paid to speak. Ten cents, one dollar, twenty-five dollars, whatever the case was. Within 90 days, I set a goals in 90-day increments. That's what the art program is. More is coming soon. By the third, the first, the first goal was to, to get paid to speak. The second goal was to create content that would add value. I started a podcast. The third way was to add value or to um, earn an income. It started off with an event, ended up with a contract that allowed me to leave my job. Now, six months ahead of time, I'm able to leave my job before the, the one-year deadline in August. So the art of facilitation is not just a way to speak, but it's a way to change your life and keep on taking the baby steps to where you want to go.
will, should, or could take you? Oh, that's a that's a great question. Honestly, it's not one that I've given too much consideration for at this point because I am transitioning into self-employment. That's my main focus. Um, so I'm probably going to continue working mostly with the next level speakers and get that development for me. But other than that, right now, I'm focused on how to eat, um, and how, to, how, to, how to live and pay my taxes. But, excuse me, I think the organization of Toastmasters is so vast and so broad that I could definitely see myself going on the leadership track. We've already done a um, speech craft in this fall, or uh, March, it was March to April. Whatever season that is, we did a speech craft there and we're thinking about doing another one. So those, the art of facilitation is kind of a spin off of speech craft. It's my version of speech craft and it, it's offered as such to help people with their speaking fundamentals too. So Toastmasters is, is my foundation for a lot of the speaking that I do. Yeah. In Toastmasters, we've been taught to consider the audience when we are crafting our speech to you and speaking to you. Mm -hmm. Does it ever come to mind to you who you'll be speaking to Definitely. to carefully choose your words and phrases and to have something for everybody in your group? Yeah, and I find, I think truthfully, a lot of what you'll see is um, speaking, I think, is a lot about personal development and growth. So when you really look and break down the problems that people in the world have, there's not too many different ones. You might have 10 options of global universal issues that people have. So if mine is purpose, or if I, if I can find and locate the one direction inside myself, the pain that's causing me harm, I know that that's something that other people can deal with. Conviction, struggle, getting over, overcoming, rejection, loss, grief, these are things that, are, that people relate to. So really, the first thing you want to do in the audience with your first 37 seconds to a minute is tap into their world and transport and find something that your audience knows about and you can bring them over to your story. After you connect them with your story, you can go whenever you, wherever you want um, because the audience believes you and trusts you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I know I had fun listening to it. It was a, a great time and the feedback one of the things I love so much about Toastmasters is that you get critical feedback from people and um, what I received from them was again so humbling in um, words that I have never been able to articulate from myself but to hear them come from other people and for them to acknowledge what they see in me um, is beautiful because that's, that's exactly what I want to do in the world is um, hope that you see peace through me and hope that you see art through the way that I'm living my life. And I want to see the same with the way that you live your life. So I'll see you next time. Find more information at TreyGamers.com. And as always, you can find every single episode at SoundCloud.com. Check me out on Facebook, TreyGamers, Instagram, TreyGamers. And uh, email me, Trey at TreyGamers.com. We'll see you soon. This is The Dash.